0: Let's hear it for the girls making waves in a traditionally male-dominated world. In this episode, I'm joined by Evie Hunter, an arable farmer from Hertfordshire who spends her time between working the land, producing crops, being a working mother and campaigning on behalf of the National Farmers Union. Inspiring the next generation of farmers and flying the flag for British food and farming is what we are both about. Tune in if you want more. Welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meets, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, food producer, and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today we'll be chatting to Evie Hunter, a Hertfordshire arable contract farmer who is big into multitasking. Then I've got a few time-saving hacks when it comes to mealtime preparation and some recipes to share, meaning you can juggle family life with the children, And cook a tasty, nutritious meal too. Okay, so let me introduce you to my guest. Evie Hunter lives in rural Hertfordshire, which ironically falls inside the M25. She helps to manage her family's arable contracting business, and they also run a haulage company too. In addition, she side hustles for two external transport companies and helps prepare farmers for their farm assurance audits. Evie is the National Farmers Union chairman of the Next Generation Forum, which was set up to give younger farmers within the organization an opportunity to shape policy and influence areas which affect them. Evie has a one-year-old son, aptly named Hunter, and a cocker spaniel. And in her spare time, she enjoys cooking, swimming and going to the gym. I first came across Evie when she posted some tasty meals on social media that she'd prepared to take to the team out combining last summer. These meals were not your average mobile food deliveries. They looked divine and I'm sure kept the gang fueled up into the night. A mum, a businesswoman, a team player, a leader. I want to know what vehicle she enjoys driving the best. So without further ado, let's chat to Evie. Hello, how are you? Hi, Millie. That's that's all very
1: kind. What you've just said about me.
0: Oh wow, you're very <laughs> inspiring. I mean, I, I I I I followed your career, um, and obviously found you on social media, and you're doing some amazing things. Um, how do you fit it all in? A lot of
1: juggling. <laughs> I use that <laughs> word most days. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of juggling, prioritising, making sure that the important farm stuff gets done, and then. Everything with the baby gets done, and then I come somewhere last. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and a very, uh, a very helpful mum of my own. Um, yeah,
0: couldn't do it without her. Ah, <laughs> oh, I know, I know, absolutely. It's having that support network, isn't it? It really does make a difference. Um, so, come on, tell me, um, what is the your favourite vehicle or the best vehicle to drive? You're obviously driving various different machinery. Um, what's your best or favorite? Um, yeah,
1: we have a whole fleet of Fent tractors. So probably any of them, to be honest, um, harvest time, I get a Fent 828, which is pretty nice as a corn carting vehicle. So yeah, probably that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you, I mean, obviously you and I, we're kind of quite used to working in a, a stereotypical man's world. Do you still get odd looks from people when you're driving big pieces of kit or you just sort of take it as it goes oh I get odd looks
1: but uh I just embrace it wave at them yeah you'd think that they'd just been run over or (laughs) yeah I'm pretty short as well so people will say that they've seen like a tractor driving itself coming down the road (laughs) I love it um I've got hgv as well so I'll drive lorries and yeah you do get funny looks but yeah, I think it's funny. I love
0: it. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, fair play to you. No, I think it's it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Well done. Well, um, can you tell me a little bit about your backstory? Have you always been involved in agriculture? Were you born into it? Or um, just just explain to the listeners a little bit about, you know, who you are and where you've come from.
1: Yeah, I was born into it. So I've lived here all my life. Um, my dad was born here on the farm. Uh, my grandparents moved down from Scotland over 60 years ago they've got a big story about that how they put all the cows and the tractors on the train um and came down so yeah I've been involved forever um probably wasn't really heavily involved or really interested until I was sort of 13 14 because the first school I went to it was sort of made like it was weird not normal um and I hate that looking back on that now and then yeah. I went to another school, which was sort of more rurally based and then realised, actually, it's really cool. And I'm incredibly privileged <laughs> to live where I live. Uh, yeah, since I left school at 16, did a very short stint at um, an ag college, but it just really wasn't for me. And I just preferred this learning on the job option. So I left, um, did a load of qualifications, like did my PA one and two, did my HGV, did my... Um, Transport manager qualification. And then I've worked for two sort of larger businesses who are doing haulage and grain storage and learned a lot from them mm. that I've then brought back to my own farm. And I've been working for the family business for four or five years now. Mm. And all sorts of stuff on the side
0: yeah 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 absolutely and that's really interesting that you obviously went down the academic route and and recognized quite early on that it wasn't for you and wanted to do sort of more practical qualifications on the job you know is that is that you know within your friendship group Were did everyone else just go down the academic route or you know have you found your way or is that your learning style for example i think just learning by doing really Mm.
1: it just worked for me yeah I think I was the only person from my year group at school who didn't go to uni so I went to college instead to do a like national diploma in agriculture but I really just it just wasn't for me I didn't Mm. enjoy it I would I just wanted to be back home I felt like I wasn't really there are definitely sort of gaps in my knowledge that Mm. I think I would like to now do a course like go and do my basis for example yeah. Because I think that's like a gap in my knowledge that I need on the farm in the future, but that's something that yeah, I can go and do a course and I can you know I can fill that, but yeah, at the time it just it just wasn't for me, and I wouldn't have had the two jobs that I had working for massive businesses earning silly money, really. I wouldn't have had those had I had those four years or whatever at um, college
0: or uni. Yeah yeah so in a way i mean i'm i'm a bit like you i i kind of um did my qualifications whilst working and do you think that sort of really um helped you to get ahead you know because you haven't got the student debt you're obviously learning on the job so you're um you are sort of advancing in your career whilst you're earning money which you can then put down into um, um into your future really whereas obviously if you go to university generally you're obviously away from home for three or four years and you are racking up student debt all along. You're yeah. not working. You're just learning, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I, I just, um, for me, yeah. it was yeah. the. I suppose the, the money thing as well, like it's not all about money, certainly not in farming, mm. but no. <laughs> I was on a really well-paid job while friends of mine were telling me that, you know, they've just finished uni, they've got this degree, but then they can't find a job.
0: Mm. And I'm,
1: I was getting paid at the time a salary that i never thought i would get i Mm. certainly don't get it now (laughs) Mm. but yeah so you do have for me it just yeah that's just the way that it worked
0: out yeah 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 oh fantastic and so um you know talk to me a little bit about the farm then um what does it comprise of and what do you produce
1: so we where i live is a it's a county council farm actually yeah so we rent um we rent probably a third of what we farm, uh, contract or share farm another, the other two thirds. We're doing sort of three and a half thousand acres, uh, purely combinable arable crops. So mm-hmm. like wheat, barley, oats, rape, beans. Occasionally we do maize for AD, but uh, not this year. And then so, we we yeah, we're just doing large scale commodities, selling those to merchants, smaller merchants, bigger merchants, mm-hmm. whatever whoever's offering the best money at the time yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah we keep that pretty simple um it means that we can keep pretty sort of skeleton staff throughout the year it's just family really mm-hmm. a couple more maybe in harvest but it's really hard to find people so we just try and do what we can do ourselves mm-hmm. uh, we have a high ab lorry i had uh bulkers in the past but the rates on grain haulage really fell now they're through the roof again <laughs> typically when we sold the lorry so we do that. Um, we've got a gritting company that we do on the side as well. That keeps us busy this time of year.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're always into different types of diversification that yeah. we wouldn't be able to do without the farm. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's sort of like the mainstay. And from that, other kind of diversifications have come as a result. And, and yeah, so everything, exactly. is everything kind of situated in one yard, in one space, or have you got stuff dotted about across um, um
1: everything's mainly from one yard uh, one of our contract farms we've got a big grain store there and we can store some kit there as well but everything's pretty much based um at the farm where where we live yeah that keeps it
0: yeah, yeah yeah and you were talking about um obviously um growing crops for ad um so some of the listeners that perhaps might not understand what that means anaerobic digestion it's growing crops for um for fuel basically isn't it
1: Yeah, exactly. And then we also use uh, the byproduct of that, which is digestate, which is an amazing fertilizer and obviously a lot cheaper than buying synthetic fertilizers, especially at the moment. So Mm. we've got a couple of digestate tanks uh, on the farm and we have a certain amount of sort of cube or tonnage that we can use throughout the year on the crops. It's almost like doing circular farming, if you like, when we have maize in the rotation, which is uh, brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and presumably as well, you're, you're really sort of at the cutting edge of technology with um, satellite mapping and um, GPS on tractors and things like that. And um, precision farming. I mean, th- those sorts of elements of tech within arable farming is, is becoming more the norm, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing, really,
1: what you can do and how precise everything can be now. I think you have to be um, to be ultimately more efficient. You've got to know exactly... Mm what you put like we only use liquid fertilizer also for that reason really just precision to know that everything that you buy is going to end up on your field and not next door or in the hedge
0: yeah yeah yeah. and the water companies are uh, quite keen (laughs) for that
1: too (laughs) especially where we live yeah they're very hot on it
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, how do you fit in your Mm. NFU role around the farm, family life, everything else? Because presumably that takes a little bit of time. You know, you're probably going to meetings and events and things. How do you kind of juggle that? Uh,
1: Again, with my (laughs) mum, pretty much. (laughs) I seem to say to her all the time, oh, mum, can I see your diary? (laughs) Um, Just... Just planning or sometimes saying no, which I'm not very good at mm. because there's lots of things that you get invited to as a forum chair. So there's forum chair meetings all the time. Um, I can go to any commodity or board meetings or regional meetings and I'll sort of pick the ones that would be beneficial maybe for them or for me to go to. But, yeah, I definitely sometimes have to say, no, I can't go to that I'm um, sort of prioritise. But, yeah, um, definitely very appropriate um mm. but yeah I I couldn't do it without my
0: mum <laughs> yeah oh and I mean no fair play I mean it's it's become quite a prestigious role within the NFU hasn't it and um you know how how did that come about how did you become involved in the first instant I went along to
1: conference with uh Jamie a friend of mine who was county chair at the time mm-hmm. in 2020 he just said like oh do you want to come along there's not enough young people so I was like yeah, yeah
0: fine and Jamie Burrows Yes.
1: Yeah, I need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He took me along. Um, he told me I had all these future plans. I was going to be this in the future. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just come along. Lured in by walkabout and, you know. The <laughs> social side um, of things, yeah. And I just felt really inspired. Um, I remember in the crops, uh, like, breakout session, there was a couple of young girls that spoke in front of, obviously, this whole big room of arable farmers. And I was like, wow, like, I want to be like you, like, be confident enough. To mm. talk about farming in front of all these people. And then uh, shortly after that, I had an email about the ambassador program from another woman, Roz, who was our county advisor. Mm. And she said, Oh, you should um, you know, you should give it a go. So I wrote an application and then did that for a year. Sadly, it was COVID, but obviously that that was amazing, a real confidence boost mm. to be like a face for the NFU and for the industry. And then that sort of ended and they started talking about how they're bringing new people into the next gen forum and I thought oh yeah I could do that and then they were also doing um chair and vice chair and it seemed like no one else really wanted to be chair of vice chair and I'm always a bit of yeah why not I'll do it you know if I'm going to do it I might as well do it properly so then I got voted in as chair and then here we are yeah. <laughs> pretty much and I'm just juggling my way through but yeah it's great and the rest of the forum are great. Um, Liv who's the vice chair she's been on the forum for a long time so she knows sort of the ins and outs mm. so we make a good team.
0: Mm. Mm. How many of the is there like sort of 10 or 12 of you um, as ambassadors or, or on the forum? There's things 13 of us on the forum, nine girls and four boys. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, that, no, that's yeah. really good. That's really good. And what do you think you've learned from being involved and done that? Has that sort of exposed you to different things or given you more confidence or, you know, what, what, what have you gained from being involved? You definitely meet a lot of
1: people. Um, and we, cause we sort of have a platform, I guess, of being the Next Gen Forum. You know, I can email like I wanted to speak to somebody from the commercial team at Red Tractor while we were down in Westminster one day. So I email like you know I am the chair of the Next Gen Forum, and it just kind of gives you you are somebody and somebody that's worthwhile them speaking to as well. Mm. Not just saying oh hi, Mevie, and I'd like to come and speak to you. Yeah, so that's really useful. And we met an MP that day as well, which we wouldn't have. You know, I couldn't just be like, hi. I'm an M- I want to meet you. Um it really we have like a platform yeah of having um the NFU and you make people I think you just it does build your confidence but you have to just be confident to just go and walk up to people even at like the conference and mm. just say oh yes I'm so and so and then whereas before it might have been like intimidating to just go and speak
0: to anybody mm. um yeah it is a massive confidence boost yeah yeah, absolutely. No, I can totally relate because I I you know what, what you're saying is, you know, from being involved in that um arena, it, it does open doors and you are able yeah. to then speak. But that's got that's an incredible influence as well, because then you are, you know, fr- from a, a young person, you're you're kind of getting to the people that are creating the policy, that are like shaping things, and they need to listen to more people um like yourself because at the moment, you know, they're they 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 have got a kind of a lot of people, a lot of people that are making these rules and policies are kind of quite set in their ways and it's a bit unless they listen and understand how that might impact on different people I mean, from different sectors and different ages and different demographics it's it, it's never going to work or it, it's not going to reflect what what is needed so you know having that influence and that input is incredibly important so good on you and uh, you know hopefully you've got lots of others sort of going to follow in your footstep as well because presumably you're only allowed to sort of stay in that role for a certain amount of time
1: Yeah, I think uh, the sort of term is two years and you can't do more than two. Um, But there's, yeah, there's a bit of a shape up within the NFU anyway of how they're running boards and forums and things. So we're having a bit of a sort of changing those sort of rules that might have been in for a few years anyway. um, So, yeah, I'm not sure sure how it will look in a year's time. But hopefully as long as we're still, yeah, influencing young people into the industry, that's really the most important thing
0: definitely and so what what does the future look like for you what are your ambitions do you want to sort of be the next minute batters do you want to kind of you know work your way up the NFU or have you got other kind of priorities at the moment um oh next minute batters is a high one to
1: reach for I'd like to be <laughs> as stylish as her she always yeah. looks great doesn't she yeah um, yeah I would like to see sort of what else I could do within um within the NFU possibly more like a commodity type role. Um, But yeah, I'm not really, I'm not sure really. I've probably got at the minute and I'll probably just see where it takes me rather than having, you know, having something, a set in stone ambition Mm. because I've sort of got my own ambitions business wise as well, I suppose. Of course, I'm always going to be helping to manage the farm Mm. at home, but I'd like to have my own, business career alongside it I've sort of have these small pockets of side hustles of do a bit of bookkeeping here for some farms and a bit of audit preparation and haulage stuff and all stuff like that um I'd like to do something maybe like in the grain marketing trade I just think that's so interesting Mm. yeah I don't know I might just fall into something and i know people yeah. say that doesn't happen but i think it i think it does in this industry
0: yeah i think and, and again i'm a firm believer it's not what you know it's who you know and i think oh, in the net in the networks you're exposed to you know it you just it's just happen to be in a room and have a conversation with someone and they make an introduction so yeah i like i like the fact that you know you don't necessarily have a plan but actually just being a little bit kind of relaxed about things as well. Um, But you're making such a difference. And, you know, um, I I look at some of the things that you're posting on, on social media and I'm thinking, yeah, um, you are really inspiring. And, you know, uh, I I think, you know, whatever you do, I'm sure you'll be very successful, especially because you are already spinning the plates. And I think the thing from (laughs) my advice to you is to make sure that you look after you as well, because if you can't, if you're not well, or you've got too much going on, then you're not going to be able to do all of the amazing things, you know? Um, so I always think self-care is a, a huge part, or I try to, I'm not, I'm probably, I try my hardest it is a really important part of, of my life. is kind of trying to look after me because if I'm not well, then I can't look after the kids, my husband, my own business, the farm and everything else I do. So, you know, it's, you've, you've got to sometimes be a little bit selfish as well.
1: Yeah, that that's what my 6am um, gym and swim sessions are for, <laughs> <laughs> one of those this morning, but that does really like, it sets me up for the day, for the week, to be honest, like I feel really rubbish if I've come out of that routine, mm. I have to go when, you know, when Hunter's still asleep, and that's really when I can go, and that really does set me up for feeling good for the day.
0: mm Mm, no, for, no that's a really good routine to sort of um to 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 keep at because it is very easy to kind of go oh, I'm not comfortable to get out of bed or mm-hmm. you know um and then and then it, yeah it's by whereas if you kind of get up and you have that kind of mindset then then it kind of yeah sets you up for the day and you can achieve so much more um so let's talk about cooking I've obviously um alluded to the fact that I saw that you'd posted last year that you'd created lots of meals for the workforce um you enjoy cooking what are your go-to recipes and meals that that you'd prepare each week I always like a like
1: a one dish or two dish meal I'm not one of those like seven pans and you know especially you say about doing the harvest meals when I've gone out driven out there taken everyone's dinners brought back I've got like eight pots to wash anyway the last thing i want to do is then be washing another load of pots so something that you can just make cook all day not to sound really privileged but in the arga, yeah (laughs) the farmhouse kitchen and you can just you know bung it in the oven all day and then you know it'll be a 10 times nicer when you come to it like chili or like sausage casserole or do like a fajita chicken thing similar or like mac and cheese just yeah something you can cook up shove into a big dish and then divide it by how many people happen to be in the field that evening or (laughs) in the kitchen that evening that could be um yeah that that can be that can range as well
0: yeah yeah well that that's the beauty of it isn't it because you know people might come in at different times but you're able to serve up a bit for them and then you still got other it's not like you kind of like Cooking up something, and you've got everyone's got to be at the table at the same time to eat, you know. It happens, (laughs) no, (laughs) and similarly, taking it out to the field and what have you. You don't know what, what you know, if there's going to be a breakdown or you know, you're working really late hours, and you just got to, you know, because farming is so reliant on the weather, isn't it? And during harvest time, you go when the going's good, don't you? And you work all night, especially when the moisture's right, as that saying goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah exactly. Or if there's a breakdown that probably means there's two fitters there. So I'll always ring just before I'm going to start preparing dinner and be like is anyone else there? Cuz you always like to feed them if someone else is there, you know, or if the you know some combine reps come out or something. You yeah, know, we'll bring them dinner cuz it's no it's no biggie, but mm. then you hope that when our combines broken and someone else's is as well. They'll think, oh, we'll go to the hunters because last time we had this really yummy dinner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And they're working late hours as well. And you sort of think, well, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all part of the. And I think that's what what another sort of um, part of our industry as well. Yeah, we do work hard, we work long hours, but. We all look after each other as well. Um, and I think that's super important. So um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, um, I'll, I'll remember that when I'm driving through Hertfordshire. And uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> call, in. <laughs> call in, call in. Absolutely. Um, how can people find out a little bit more information about you? Probably follow my daily ramblings
1: on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's Which your is, handle? Uh, Farmer Eves. Yeah. Fab. Very stereotypical. Um, yeah. I have a farm Instagram as well, yeah. which is jshunterfarm. So that's yeah. more like pictures of Kit, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs>
0: like yeah, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You got diff- It's like me, I've got different audiences for different things. You know, I do my foodie stuff on one and I do farm life on the other. And sometimes it crosses over. But I think sometimes it's quite good to kind of know your audience, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. I think Twitter's mm. a bit of a free-for-all. Well, like you yeah. saw my you know, I
1: post my harvest dinners on there, which some people probably think what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, my dad will he normally sort of runs the dryer shed and loading lorries and stuff in harvest. And he'll he'll randomly post like, oh, what's in your lunchbox today? Because if you're going up and down the field, all day, like farmers get bored. Mm. <laughs> so
0: mm. they'll,
1: you know, any random chat that's aside from like what moisture is the wheat.
0: <laughs> you know that
1: they're, they're there for so I like to
0: post a curveball every now and then yeah yeah no absolutely and that's the thing it can be quite repetitive and quite it is a lo- it can be quite lonely when you're just in a tractor cab all day you know and um just to have that um kind of out that uh, looking at what other people are doing isn't it it's like, like that goldfish bowl isn't it and and oh, equally yeah. those outside of farming get a little bit more of an insight as to what it takes to put food on the table and the man hours that is involved so I think it's it's hugely important for a lot of ways a lot of uh, reasons
1: yeah definitely well yeah. you say outside of farming I think yeah there's a lot more teaching to be done there mm-hmm. <laughs> teaching mm-hmm. people what really goes into it because uh, yeah I, I'm not sure that a lot of people have the grasp of that but no, we'll well, the, the
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the thing you and I are quite similar in that respect Um, I mean that's sort of part of the premise of not only this podcast, but my food blog and my e-cookery book is sort of bridging a gap between food produced in the UK and how to make a tasty meal. And it is about that sort of field to fork education um, and about, you know, did you realise that sugar is grown in this country? Did you realise how, um, you know, wheat is produced, grown and then milled into what have you? Um, It's kind of, I I think a lot of the time, because um, the education system is there's, there's different priorities children especially are not exposed to to different things, but, but also adults, you know, there's a generation that have not done food technology. Um, I mean, I remember doing food tech at school, but it was very basic, but I le- learned a lot from that. And even now, like, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't occur anymore. And so very, uh, mm. influential people, very clever, intelligent people come to me and say, I've never cooked a roast dinner. I wouldn't know what to do or how do you boil an egg? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, but I'm not going to, you know, but I'd rather help people and inspire people to know how to do that rather than being like, oh, are you silly? You know, because um, a- again, people are so busy that we become more reliant on processed food and just shoving it in the oven or going out for a meal because we can. Um, and so, now it's kind of right well what can we do how can we break this down and get information so social media plays such a big part because people scroll don't they in the evening and you've got to grab their attention and sort of lead them to information that you do want them to know about so I think you and I are, are on to something definitely <laughs> yeah, <I hope> so. <laughs> okay um here are some time-saving hacks for you to try at home Let's talk meal planning. Do you get to the end of the day and panic about what to prepare for tea? Do the kids come in and instantly want to be fed? I have got into a great mindset and routine of planning a week's worth of meals. I sit down on a Sunday night and I think, what have I got in the fridge? What have I got in the freezer? What's growing in the garden? And prepare for the week ahead. I used to take it. Well, it used to take me a lot of, it used to fill up a lot of my headspace. And now I can quickly prepare a meal knowing what I've got everything I need in the cupboards. An example of my meal plan would be on a Monday, do chicken gnocchi, steak, chips and peas on a Tuesday. And that is because the kids are fed elsewhere that day. I don't tend to cook steak and chips for the kids or they normally hover around if I'm um, if I'm cooking it. Um, Shepherd's pie on a Wednesday, beef casserole on a Thursday, bacon carbonara, fish and chips on Saturday. And then a roast dinner on a Sunday. And then often on a Monday, I'd then use the leftover meat from the Sunday roast to either make a stir fry, a pie or a covey. In season right now, broad beans, tomatoes, raspberries, strawberries. All of this produce is packed full of goodness and grown here in the British Isles. I grow all of these things in my garden, but I never tend to have time, chance to cook them as the kids seem to go out in the garden and staffle them up before I get a chance. One thing I do love to grow and enjoy cooking are new potatoes. Homegrown taste even better. And the variety I tend to opt for are Charlotte. They are super tasty salad, new potatoes and a delicious hot with some butter or cold as part of a potato salad. I boil the new potatoes for around 15 minutes until soft and serve hot with butter or allowed to cool and add some mayonnaise or cream cheese, some snipped ch- chives and a pinch of salt. How does that sound, Evie? Do you, do you quite partial to a new potato?
1: I actually think that I could be listening to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a—it's uh, almost like a tradition in our family when my great-grandpa was alive um, till he was 100. He'd have a barbecue for his uh, birthday every August. We stopped combining, and it was like new potatoes of butter were the staple. They are Scottish. I don't know if mm. that means uh, mm. that's why. But, yeah, they were literally like the staple. And I make them all the time, just like that, mm. or, yeah, in a salad – on a warmer day, we'll just have new potatoes and like salad and meat for harvest tea because that's what my granny always used to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely a, a staple in my house as well. Oh, Amazing. Oh, sounds, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. It, I just can't explain how you know growing your own new potatoes as well are just the difference in the taste. And and also, you know, I get my kids down the bottom of the garden and they're digging them up and they're finding the worms. And, you know, and and for me, that kind of exposure to dirt and also – growing your own as well and then bringing it into the kitchen and then enjoying it is, you know, for me, one of life's simple pleasures. Um, But, you know, just when, you know, when you are shopping is to kind of appreciate and look for things that are in season, look for the red tractor logo, look for um, the provenance, because actually it not only helps with food security, food sustainability, but low food miles as well. And you're sustaining people in rural communities. So for me, that's the sort of a big part of why I bang the drum really. So, um, Okay, that's all we got time for today. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the Countryside Kitchen Meets on the first of each month. You can subscribe on all major podcast streaming platforms. And get in touch. Would you like to be on a future episode? How about sponsoring a future episode? Um, it actually costs quite a bit to organise and edit and get a podcast out there. And obviously it reaches a lot of people. So if you're listening and you're part of a business that would potentially be interested in sponsoring, please do get in touch and want to chat to me about what you do and share some recipes, drop me a line at hello at millie5.com. You can also follow my food blog, No First Meals for Busy Parents on Facebook, Instagram and at www.nofirstmealsforbusyparents.com for top tips, time-saving hacks and recipe ideas thank you so much for joining me today Evie I've really enjoyed learning more about everything that you do um and I know the listeners would have taken so much from it so please do keep up the amazing work thank you thank you for asking me <laughs> well I caught up with you eventually didn't I yeah we're busy people <laughs> yeah no absolutely no thank you very much and I hope you can tune in again soon see you next time bye thank you bye, bye.